Hi everyone, I'm Caleb with Team Rockin' Cushions and this is episode 6 of Rockin' Talk. The guest for today is Yong Kim. Yong is an economics professor who will give us insight on how the current economy will affect freelancers, creatives, jobs, the housing market, and your 401k. Michelle Vanderwater dives into all of this and more with Yong. Hope you enjoy. to Dynamite by BTS, the top popping Korean song. I'm Korean. Oh, 안녕하세요. Uh, 안녕하세요. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Lots yeah, that's what we're listening to. And I think maybe more songs. Yeah, we can try to dance and All right, get to okay. it. People are eager. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't done anything like this before, so... Welcome. You know, I'll try to be as uh, user-friendly as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I've been an economist for a long time. Yeah. So hopefully. Yeah. So give us your background. Like, how did you get into being an economist? Well, I when I was growing up, I traveled in around the world. I went to a lot of rich countries. I went to a lot of poor countries. Mm -hmm. And I was always, you know, curious. You know, why is there so much inequality in the world? So I wanted to understand that, and that that led from an undergraduate degree to a graduate degree to a job. So where did you go to school? Uh, in the UK. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So high school, college, and then... Did your family move there from Korea? No, no. Oh. I went by myself. Oh, boarding school. Oh, boarding school. Yeah. Okay. Poor thing. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> One of those. Um, and then to become a professor, these days you need a PhD. So that involves uh, many years um, studying under the tutelage of an eminent scholar to do research, finding, pushing the frontiers of human knowledge in the economics era. So I did that in London. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, how many years does that take? So just give uh, us a timeline. It takes five to six years. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, what is the goal after doing something so like that? So the goal of that is to, so a master's degree, you learn something at a high level, but a PhD, you're pushing the frontiers of human knowledge. So you're discovering things that no one knew about the issue uh, at hand, like say in inflation, you're discovering new things about inflation that no one else in the world knew, and you're writing you know, a research paper up on that. So 
in biology, it'll be the same. You'll uh, write something about something new knowledge that no one has ever known about before, mm -hmm. and uh, you'll you'll write a paper and then pu publish it and then share it with the world. So, you know, your achievement in pushing the frontiers of human knowledge on your subject will get you a PhD. Right. And then based on the PhD, you're showing the potential to do more research, and then you can get hired as a faculty member in a research school. Right. So that happened to me. I and then my job straight out of London was to teach at USC. Oh, wow. Yes. So then you came to LA. I came to LA many years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I taught uh, undergraduate, graduate students at the University of Southern California. Wow, that's mm. awesome. Mm -hmm. So I was reading a little bit about your bio and you talked oh, yes. a lot about macroeconomics. Macroeconomics, right. So what is that exactly? Come so, a little bit closer so, so we can see. Anyone who's studied economics... I haven't studied in, economics. ...in college, but when you do, They'll branch it out into, you know, two halves okay. to, to make it, you know, like more daunting potentially. But anyway, it's, it's split up into two halves. One half says, let's do all the stuff that's at the national level, like the average uh, unemployment rate or like the inflation rate. So mm -hmm. something and all these national numbers. Uh, it could even be studying why the average age of marriage is getting uh, later and later. That's a macroeconomics question too, because you're looking at a national average. Okay. And then there's everything else, which is basically not national level, which is individual level. Like why does a firm decide to invest at it, it now as opposed to next year? That kind of individual decision of a firm or, or, a, or a person. Mm -hmm. um, or a government, well, less so a government firm, a, 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 a company. That's microeconomics. So, so I'm I in my PhD and in, you know basically what I teach in, in college students is macroeconomics. Right. And so somebody asked the question, which is very interesting. What is the most valuable lesson you have learned um, in doing this work up until now? Uh, as by being an economist, what's been the most interesting thing? I feel like, well, again, going back to why I wanted to study economics, you know, I'm curious why you could live on Earth in the 21st century mm -hmm. and you could be born in one country, have the same potential uh, to succeed, same IQ, you know, raw IQ, but you'll end up um, on average being much poorer than someone who gets born in another place. So I feel like I know what we know as human beings about that problem and I also know what we don't know. Right. So like I know that just getting people educated won't solve the problem in poor right. countries to get them to be as rich in, as, as in the United States. That's really interesting because you always feel like education is like the number one thing that lifts people out of poverty. So to hear you say that yeah. is really interesting because, you know, you would think, okay, so what, what is the thing that gets people out of poverty? Well, yeah, well, for, and actually it's interesting you bring it up because for many years, the big uh, decision makers in the world and institutions like the World Bank were, you know, espousing this idea that it's education. Just get education in place and everything else will follow. Right. So we did that for many years. And part of my knowledge comes from those experiments not really panning out in delivering huge economic growth in most countries mm -hmm. following that prescription. So we know, you know, things like corrupt governments. We know that uh, governments that don't incentivize uh, clever people to come and start new companies that kind of environment created by the government that's business friendly not business friendly that's important for instance 
That's so true because just as an Australian, like so many Australians leave Australia to pursue their dreams because there is no government funding. There's no support for right. create for the arts and sciences for creative people. Um, everybody always asks me why there's so many Australian actors in in you know right. in LA, and right. it's because there's no opportunity there. There's no there, there isn't that support network. Exactly. So yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think you know what what part of what you're saying is. You know, there might be the acting talent, but it takes more than acting talent to make an amazing um, product, a film. So, you know, in, say, Los Angeles, there's the, the talent that can come up with an amazing script. And then there's the talent, which is the production, which can come up with an amazing production. And just, yeah. it's not just because America is a big country, because this can happen in London, which is a similar size country to Australia. Mm -hmm. But the talents... That, that will support the actor is here and I think that's why the actors come. Yeah. And also like, because... Like yourself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and also, <laughs> like myself. Um, also, there's just the financial incentive, you know? I mean, it's you can't make a living doing what you exactly. love to do. So exactly. it's kind of like, well, if I really want to do this, if I really want to be in this field, I need to be able to make a living you at it. You have to come so to the mecca, yeah, the center. Yeah. Yeah, but that's true of a lot of other things. Like... I know that Australia, for instance, is a center for yacht making, is for it? making yachts. Yeah, I had no idea about that. So if you're interested in making yachts, you're, you know, gung ho about because I'm recently trying to get into sailing. <laughs> yes, I was just uh, winning, <laughs> I need to ask the question, how has the pandemic affected you? And, oh. you know, I mean, now that you're saying you're getting into sailing. Oh, yes. gosh. Well, yes. Well, as you know, I, I've been boring you with all summer. I have. Um, two children and you know over the summer I had to deal with the issue of what am I going to do try to get these kids out of the house but you're a teacher why are you teaching them that's not that'll be in the house that's like oh, going to drive them crazy you want to teach them outside I need to the get house. them out but it has to be COVID safe so I ended up as you know going camping seven times seven times with kids, this summer. With kids mind with you kids. and at the beginning of the summer mind you i would be you know most people would say i'd be the last person to ever consider going camping. yeah i can't yeah. imagine you camping no no but now i'm pretty good because this is your uniform right here yes so yeah yeah nice. yeah i'm <laughs> yeah. more of an urban person but now you know That's i'm good. getting rough and tumble so i have a question how has your knowledge of economics helped or hindered this pandemic experience for you um like in compared to the average, like compared to me, for instance, like, yeah, yeah. Have, I have really have no idea what's going on mm -hmm. in the world. Um, what is the best advice you can give to somebody who is maybe, you know, obviously they're suffering financially, maybe you've lost your job mm -hmm. and you don't know where mm -hmm. your next check is coming from. Mm -hmm. How, like, what would you say to somebody like that in regards to how the economy is sort of mm -hmm. panning out? So, um, I would say that you know, once we overcome the pandemic, once we find a vaccine, a lot of the stuff will go back to normal. But some things are going to go back to normal faster than others. So, um, you know, if you're in the airline business for not for tourism, but for uh, business travel, I think business travel might return faster than tourism travel. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, in, the, in the, a travel agent who specializes in business travel, then I think, you know, you can expect the recovery to be faster. But for some other people, the recovery is going to be slower. Again, maybe tourism uh, right. travel or if you're working in concerts. So 
try to figure out, you know, I know things are going to go back to normal eventually. Right. But if some things are going to take much longer, then you don't want to stick around and wait for that to happen. I think you should have a plan B while you, you know, wait out the recovery from the pandemic. Well, I think it's such a perfect opportunity to explore some things that you didn't have the opportunity to before. Absolutely. So you have some time on your hands. And if you can achieve it while still feeding yourself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but do you think do you think there's going to be a new normal? Because I hear you mm -hmm. saying that things are going to go back to normal, but do you think this pandemic has taught us that you know, maybe we shouldn't be so reliant on commuting to work. Right. For example. Yeah. Or, you know, the workplace is, is definitely changing. So should we be thinking along the lines of, okay, this is my job and this is what I do. And maybe I should be preparing for how to do this job after the pandemic. Begins. Right. So because of the pandemic, the workforce has, I think, uh, and macroeconomists are studying, the workforce has suddenly allowed us to see an experiment where what happens if everyone suddenly starts working from home? Right. What jobs actually turn out to be better working from home? What jobs are worse? And, mm -hmm. and so on. Um, so we now did that. So I think there'll be some, some sectors of the economy where like, oh yeah, you can work from home. And we know that that working from home doesn't reduce your productivity, doesn't re re reduce your performance. But um, you know, some people working in finance um, have CEOs have said, oh, you know, working from home has been bad for our industry. Maybe it's because, you know, if, if you work in an investment bank and everyone's surrounding you and there's cutthroat competition that gets more out of you, but I don't know. So um, I think definitely more jobs will be from home. And right. um, if you don't mind working from home, I think that's a good thing. You I know. think people are more productive working from home. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think some more, people are more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. more flexible. Yeah, you can go to the fridge anytime you want. Yeah, grab a cold beverage and a sandwich. Yeah, um, and you know, even though you don't have the structure of a nine to five, I feel like you're able to be more flexible with your family. No you traffic. Can, no traffic. No bad lunches in the office. Yeah, saving money, eating out. Yeah. So um, if you don't need to rely on physical interaction with your colleagues yeah i personally would prefer to work at home okay so another question about mm -hmm. staying at and home. by the way um so let me just throw a number out there they think that about 40 percent of the workforce has gone from working in an office to working at home 40 percent. yeah that's a lot that well, four a lot. out of ten people and i think technology is just going to get better in helping us kind of maintain absolutely yeah imagine so, if this happened 15 years ago yeah it would have been a disaster oh, <laughs> well, oh. people oh yeah would have been a disaster i thought you meant like imagine if like we had all the technology like we do right now but 15 years oh, ago oh, and oh. Then i would be like we'd be flying in cars <laughs> right now <laughs> no yeah. no um but yeah without zoom or inter you know internet yeah it kind being of came at exactly the right time because we're kind of like i don't know where the break. zoom thing came at from but it's like doing really well um, I think people use Zoom a lot now. Now they do. Yeah. Oh, now they do. But, but I think before, I think before it was it was it was popular. I guess yeah, meetings. Yeah, I think now yeah. it's just taken off exponentially, yeah. of course. Yeah. So that's one industry that has really banked on the pandemic. Yes, and there have been some. And then mm -hmm. what economists have also been talking about is there's a lot of inequality since the pandemic. So right. the big companies that people regard as safe or people regard as you know they're gonna do things right because they're liable if they make a problem 
are getting a lot more business than the small mom and pops where customers are like, are they safe? Are they going to be liable for any mistakes they make? Yeah. Kind of thing. So there's inequality between the big and small firms and also the people earning a lot more still have their jobs a lot more than the people who are earning less. We see a lot more inequality uh, since the pandemic started. So that's yeah. unfortunate. Also, everything has moved online. So if you're a local mom and pop store, you know, let's say you sell, you have a bakery. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to all of a sudden, you know, invest, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in setting up like an online uh, store. And, and a logistic compete. delivery system. And yeah, all that. exactly. Yeah. So that, you know, Amazon's squashing a lot of people. Yes. I just want to yeah, say that. Yeah. Amazon was squashing a lot of businesses before the pandemic. Yes. But I, that just I went to another level. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. just went to it. But you're doing well. I am because I'm not on Amazon anymore. Right. Yeah. Amazon you're is notorious on... for squashing small business, mm -hmm. just so you know. Mm hmm so mm. i don't know i mean i know everybody shops on amazon it's kind of like a necessary evil you know like kids it's convenient <laughs> it's convenient but yeah maybe the as we mature into the COVID era people will find a way to support more local businesses i don't know yeah i yeah. think so i think so so in regards to people working at home a lot how do you foresee the economy affecting our housing oh, crisis right right now well, we ha we're in an unusual situation because normally the economists will say something, but assuming the market is doing its thing, but there's a lot of government intervention in this period. So, for instance, in L.A., mm -hmm. and I think it's a good thing, you know, if you're a renter, you have, you're protected from being evicted during this period. Right. So but I, you still have to pay back your rent. Oh, yeah. Right. But then if you, I mean, I'm not advocating it, but I guess if you just walk away, then you're just leaving the property without having... <laughs> well, anyway, oh, wait, isn't there that squatter rule though? Or if you stay there, yeah, uh, I think there's a California squatter rule where basically if you stay there for a certain period of time, you can't be evicted even if you're not paying rent. Oh, I didn't know that, yeah, 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 yeah. I see. So, so maybe that might kick in, but might, yeah, so 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 you know, we have some new policies in place that have protected people who've maybe lost their jobs mm -hmm. to, to stay in their uh regular accommodation, but yeah, when that if that stops being uh, available then you know we might have a huge cri housing crisis because a lot of people have lost their jobs right. uh, and the unemployment rate is enormously high uh, so that what that means is a lot of people uh, the economy is doing terribly and a lot of people have lost their jobs they won't be able to pay their rent and and that's a bad thing so if you're a homeowner is it a good time to buy or sell or what is the situation should we be hanging on to property that we have? Should we be getting rid of it? Should we be thinking about renting because rents are cheap right now? Right. What, how do you see the housing market planning, panning out in the next, let's say, five uh, years, five uh, to ten years? Uh, 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 many different things could happen. Okay, yeah. But what, what are some facts first? So for the fact, one fact is because the interest rates are low, house prices have gone up. So if you want to sell at a high house price, it looks like now is a good price. Yeah, housing prices are through the roof right yes. now. Yes, uh, and you know, it's because the interest rate allows people to buy more house or pay more for a house for the same payment because the interest rate's lower. But are the banks lending to people right now? Because I And the banks are lending, so that's, that's also common. Or they're lending to the people who are wanting to buy the houses. Maybe they're just the rich people who are not affected by COVID that much. Yeah. But whoever's buying houses is able to get the money at the low interest rate, and that's driving the house price high. It's when the guy who's trying to buy a house 
you're still trying to buy a house, but if that guy is not being able to get credit, mm -hmm. that's when the house prices go down. So 10 years ago, that's why house prices went down. People couldn't borrow money to buy houses, so the house price had to go down for people to transact houses. Right. Right now, the interest rate's low, and the people who are buying houses, maybe that's not everyone who wants to buy a house, but the people who are actually buying the house, mm -hmm. they're able to get the money. Okay. So um, what could cause the house price to go down is all the people now buying houses bought their house, and then the new people trying to buy their house, they can't get the funds because they've lost their jobs or the banks have decided they don't want to lend as easily. When that happens, the house price is going to go down, even when the interest rate is low. So right. 10 years ago, the interest rate was low. But why did the house price go down? Because people couldn't get access to loans to buy houses. Right. So um, I think, you know, right now, the conditions are the house price is, is really high uh, because people buying their houses can borrow the money, interest rates low. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what it's going to be like next year or the year after. Meanwhile, the economy is definitely bad. The economy is definitely bad. The amount of new goods and services, new products being made in the U.S. economy has tanked. Right. And the number of people working has tanked. So the economy is definitely bad. The house price isn't going up because the economy is good in some way. No, the economy is bad. Has this ever happened before, this contrast where you have a bad economy and a, and a booming housing market? I, I, can't, I can't recall. I can't yeah, recall. Yeah, it's very unusual. Yeah, it's very unusual. But, you know, that's why for economists, it's an interesting situation. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's good about... So, again, I think that's bad in the sense that that actually causes more inequality. Because who owns houses, who owns stocks, which have also been rising, they're rich people. Right. Um, but one thing economists have said is, oh, because the house price is going up, because the stock prices, they tanked for a little while, but then they recovered... Because the asset prices, basically, houses and stocks, have not tanked, they've actually gone up or recovered, um, what that means is uh, you don't get a financial crisis. So this might be a, this is more involved, mm -hmm. but, but 10 years ago, remember we had this thing called the financial crisis. Yeah. Why did that happen? It's because assets, houses and stocks fell in value very enormously and stayed low for a long time. That can cause a financial crisis, and we don't have that. We could have that next year, but right now well, we don't so have that. Well, so what causes a financial crisis then? Because if, if everybody's losing their jobs, right. and people aren't contributing back into the economy, isn't right. that create a financial crisis? It can, but the worst financial crisis is one where the economy's tanking and asset prices are falling at the same time, which, like you said just now, happens together. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's, it's an unusual situation because the economy's tanking, but the asset price is not tanking. Mm -hmm. uh, but if the economy is tanking and the asset price is tanking at the same time, the problem that arises is I'm a business that wants to borrow from the bank. Um, but the bank says, okay, I'll lend you as much as your collateral. What's your collateral? The, the value of the assets you own, the value of your property, the value of mm -hmm. your stocks. But if they're not valuable, you know, you can't borrow money. Secondly, when asset prices fall, the banks, the banks go bankrupt. That's why we had a financial crisis. Right. So if banks go bankrupt or look like they're going to go bankrupt, they stop lending. So basically, if banks for these reasons stop lending, you have a financial crisis because no one can borrow money to build new businesses. Okay, so this is interesting because, you know, we're all doom and gloom about the pandemic. But I think what you just said now is 
is really it could be worse. It could be, it could be a lot worse. And I guess I guess something to really be um, you know monitoring right now is how well are the banks doing. Right, if and that's that's are, what the central bank is doing a lot. Yeah, if the yeah. banks are lending money, okay, mm -hmm. that's a good sign. If they're not lending money, that's a bad sign. Mm -hmm. So that's really something we can monitor. Yes. What else is in our control that we can kind of like look to to see how our forecast is going to play out? Okay, I, I'll also say kind of one other thing that's worth that's important and kind of worth monitoring because it, it, it's kind of an unusual thing in this country, in the United States. So in the United States, because of the pandemic, the unemployment rate went up really high very suddenly and much more than in other countries around the world europe mm -hmm. australia asia so why why was that well one reason was the government gave a big subsidy to people who declared themselves unemployed there was the unemployment top up six hundred dollars a week that's a lot of money right you mean in addition to the 1200 that everybody yeah yeah so there's six hundred dollars per week uh -huh. if you were unemployed so it basically discouraged people from finding a new new job straight away and you know it meant that even if you're unemployed you still had funds so um <clears throat> one of the reasons why the unemployment rates going down is <laughs> that fund ran out um so it's not that you know new jobs were suddenly created but people decided okay now i'm not getting the fund i'm going to go out and you know really find a job because i really need it Right. More than you, I did. But two do you think ago. that I mean this is the, this is an argument that people are having right now. It's like you really think that people were less likely to go look for work because they were getting funded. Anecdotally, I know there are exceptions to either case, so I don't know what the research has concluded about that incentive, but I, what I do know is um, countries with the same severity and the same lockdown as the United States had um didn't have a spike in unemployment as much as the united states right. so that's that's telling for instance in the uk they didn't give money to unemployed people they well, gave money to businesses, businesses yeah, yeah that's what i was going to ask because yeah. that i think that was the big difference like yeah. they gave they gave businesses but they did give business, businesses money here they just gave it to the wrong businesses uh, right they right, gave it right. to they, they freaking no, shakes they, right What's right right shake shack shake shack yeah yeah so most of the response was geared towards um helping out people who were already unemployed as opposed to in the uk um the most of the money was allocated to to companies to keep people employed right um now the, the the big idea here is who's right right so if you I was an American political guy I'd say America's right and the reason why we're right is the post-pandemic world is going to be a different world so the kind of businesses that are going to be surviving are going to be different you don't want to keep the ones that are in the pre-pandemic world alive you don't want to keep those old businesses that were around the pre-pandemic you don't want them surviving because that's bad business for instance, you don't want to even, even if they employ a lot of people. Even if so, for instance, let's take airlines. Airlines employed a lot of people. So in the UK, they most of those people still have their jobs. In the United States, most of the, a lot of them lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. So um, because of the design and the response, right? The, in the US, they gave unemployed people money, etc. So who, who did the better job? Well, um, if the pandemic sticks around for a long time say in five years people are still not going to travel by air whereas in the, in the uk airlines are still going to have all these employees 
but there's less business for them to function uh, right. perform. So, so the America would say that. Or in in a year, if if airlines go back to normal, then the the British response is going to be the better one. Right. Uh, looking back, so we'll see. So we'll see. Yeah. So yes, this is will. definitely. Um, I feel like we're in a petri dish right now, <laughs> literally. And people like you and scientists and you know everybody is just like looking at us right so what what's gonna what life form we're gonna turn into right 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 you know? so one thing a, a problem for an economist is you can't con conduct experiments like a biologist could because you can't play around with the economy you can't do weird strange things with the economy just to figure out what's hidden inside i feel like they kind of did i mean they threw some money at us and was like Let's but see now what because does. of the pandemic we see weird things happening to the economy when when it's confronted with a weird situation yeah. weird from an economist's point of view Unfortunate from a human point of view, right? <laughs> Fortunately, we're just humans. <laughs> By the way, we are answering questions tonight. Oh, so yeah. if you have a burning question that you want to ask Yong, please um, message, and I can read the messages. So yeah, please ask questions. Um, I just want to know, so now everybody has lost, well, a lot of people have lost their jobs. I'm very unfamiliar mm -hmm. with the 401k right. system. Yeah. How, can you just Do explain? Do you have a 401k? I Most people have, who have one are unfamiliar with it. Yeah, but. I have. I think I, I have a thing my actors union. Okay. Yeah. So you know, with my pension plan. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm you know I also have one in Australia, which is diff, which is a different system though, because mm -hmm. in Australia, um, it's a government funded right. Um, pension plan. Right. So basically, no matter where you like, what job you do, where you work. Um, every time you get a paycheck, they take out a percentage for your essentially pension plan 401k yep. that you get when you retire. Here they do but, kind of because there's um, social security. They take a little bit out for your social security. So okay. after 65, you're going to get um, a payout a little bit from the a little bit. depending on how much you contribute. Okay, but 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 on top of that, most people do something extra, right? Right, and that's tied to your job. Is that right? That is tied to your job, and uh, if you have a job, you can. Um, the, one of the benefit of a four hundred one k in a lot of jobs is when you contribute, when you contribute, your your employer contributes as well. So it's actually you you're getting an extra salary if you decide to contribute to your four hundred one k. So for most people, it's a no-brainer to contribute the maximum amount that'll be matched by your employer. Okay. Um, but that's But do people specific... trust this system? Because I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like with the, the recent crash oh, right. 10 years ago, I yeah. just, I don't know, like it, I, there's a lot of insecurity around trusting kind yeah. of like the systems that are put in place to help you. Right. you know. So at the end of the day, you're just investing in the stock market or whatever you decided. Right. in the bond market or the stock market so mm -hmm. th th and it's you know it's the stock market is risky um but that's not that's true for the 401k or you deciding to buy stocks outside of 401k uh if you want to be less risky you'd invest in bonds which have less risk but uh more less return as well mm -hmm. so there's a trade-off there um but the, the the extra thing about the 401k versus you going online to e-trade and saying i want to buy these stocks is there's a tax incentive to buy stocks or buy bonds through a 401k so that's why everyone says do a 401k right and that tax incentive is when your investment makes a profit 
because its value goes up, you're not taxed on that profit until you draw from it, right? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that that's a huge advantage compared to you just going to E-Trade and saying, oh, I'm going to buy an Apple stock through my personal account, not through my 401k. Mm -hmm. In that case, when your Apple stock goes up in value, you're taxed that year. Um, so delaying the tax until you draw from it, which won't happen until you're 65, actually turns out to be a huge benefit. Okay. So, so that's why people say do a 401k, do a 401k. Okay, and yeah. contribute to that and yeah. if you're employed. Yeah, but sure you're absolutely right. If I, if I was turning 65 in 2008, I'd be like mm -hmm. in big trouble. Right. Yeah, I was in big trouble for like 10 years. But then, of course, we saw the stock market recover because the economy recovered from the financial crisis. Right. Yeah. Okay, so another important question. If you didn't turn out to be an economist, who would you be? <laughs> if I didn't turn out to be an economist, who would I be? I mean, you know what? I have another, I have another question, okay? Right. Because you, you started talking about how you noticed all this inequality in the world when right. you were young. Right, And then you, you decided to become an economist right. and a professor, but did you ever think like, could I be doing more to actually change this equality other than just like kind of just coming up to, with theories and yeah, educate yeah, others yeah, to do yeah. the job for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, what, what's within your power, I guess? What would you, if you could go back in time and kind of like, you know, think about the best way to use your skills, what, what would be the best way? Well, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I, I have lots of interests, as you know, Michelle. Um, I do acting with you sometimes. Yeah. Um, I mean, before I became an economist, I wanted to be a diplomat. So I wanted to work at the UN. So my father was a diplomat as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that, you know, I just wanted, because I grew up in all these different places, I just wanted to do something, but I wanted to do it not at a national level, but at an at a international level. So one way to do that would be to work at an international organization like the UN. Another way to do it is to be a scholar and interact with people internationally. At the highest level, you know, when you're a scholar, you do affect the, you do affect the world. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, um, uh, MIT economist uh, Esther Duflo, who won the prize last year, she's working with the Bill Gates Foundation based on her research to provide um, aid to people in poor countries. Right. That's all based on her research. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and governments, so it can happen. Did you ever have a burning desire though to like roll up your sleeves and do more in your community? Or like go to, you know, go back to yeah, the area? Yeah, yeah, so uh, this goes back to the Assassin camping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kim Jong-un, no. Uh, this goes back to me not really being a camper until this year, yeah, so. I grew up uh, in very uh, urban, indoor environments. I guess in, in throughout my life. So is that typical for a Korean family? Yeah. 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 Studying, studying, studying hard, studying hard. I was always intimidated by people who studied a lot. <laughs> Why? Because I just I don't think it's just not my forte. I'm oh. just not a um, you know. Right. I'm not I mean, a serious person. That, so I, always, I mean, I always felt like they knew so much more, and they were getting so much more out of like this experience. Right. So I, I I really do agree with you. I mean, in the sense that I mean I'm seeing my kids as well. So much of your youth and the environment in which you're that's being provided for you to interact with other youths is based on the premise that you're learning stuff. 
and um, some people excel at it other, uh, than others. And so that environment is basically the, 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 the people who are leading that environment or excelling in that environment are the people who are predisposed for nature or nurture mm -hmm. to, to do that well. But then once you graduate, it's actually a very different world. Yeah. Um, and so, that's what we were talking about before. We were talking about how to, you know, young kids are like studying at home and it's challenging. Zooming in. And zooming in. And my, my, my college students are zooming in. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, your kids, how old are they? They're, they're very they're, young. Yeah, young. Tweens. Tweens. So yeah. the attention span is very mm -hmm. small. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, okay, what, how do you keep people motivated right now? Like, what is the incentive for them to actually pay attention or actually want to do above and beyond than what they're expected to? And I was just saying, you know, when I was that age, um, I feel like it would have been so helpful if somebody had said to me, hey, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? And here are the steps right. that you might want to take to right. get there. Right. And at least then I would have been like, oh, okay. Um, in order for me to get to being... I don't know. I wanted to be a fashion designer or something like that. Because, um, you know, yeah. kids are... In, in Fashionista. <laughs> Fashionista. <laughs> Not anymore, but like... Yeah, it's just my whole world was like, you know, clothes and shopping and mm -hmm. crap. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would have thought, oh, okay. You know, these are the steps that I needed to take to in order to get into that school or that design school or maybe, you know, I need to brush up on this. Because that would have been motivation enough for me, I think, at that point. But right. I feel like that there's a bridge that needs to be gapped. Right, right. A ga gap that gap. needs to be bridged. <laughs> a gap that needs to be bridged, yeah. But uh, for a lot of young kids, they, I mean, you're lucky. And I think that's actually the best blessing you can have, uh, especially growing up, is to have direction in what you want to do. Um, because most people growing up most people studying hard, they're doing so because they don't know what they want to do, right? So, they just, so it's all they're, about they're, getting the grades. Getting That's more the... options. They just think that'll open up more windows for them, when often actually it's not the case. But anyway, um, so if you, if you do know what you want to do, what you're passionate about, the earlier you know that, the faster you can you know, drive towards that passion. So in your case, you knew what that passion was. You just needed to sit down with that person and for them to spell out exactly what you need to do. Yeah. But you know, as a result, look, you, you know, you you've, you've you're operating in that space very successfully now. I am, but I have to say, like, so much of that has to do with like my family business. You know, my family business was a small manufacturing company. I mean, I was literally a child slave sewing in a factory <laughs> when I was like six years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I learned a lot. I learned everything that I I needed to do to like sew and make stuff. Yeah. I mean, that that was probably an invaluable lesson. Yeah. So I think having exposure to things yeah. is, you know, like going camping and yeah. maybe um, even just having people around that do different things, yeah. I think is really helpful, you know, right. for kids anyway, right. just to introduce them to different people and have them kind of be curious about, you know, uh, careers or what they could do when they're older, what's available to them, what they should really think be thinking about. Exactly. You know. Yeah. I mean... We met through acting, but acting, I was, I was never surrounded by anyone in that world. Um, and it's coming to LA, I started acting really late, that kind of got me thinking about that world. Um, so I wish, you know, I had met someone who, who could have told me about that when I was earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and what made you decide to, to do acting? I mean, that's such like a complete 
um, for me it was a 360 yeah and yeah. I never you know when I was young again no one encouraged me to think about actors or I was never into movies or TV shows like many others were um, and yeah no it was just doing an acting class and the actual thrill of acting I, I at some point after many acting classes I got it and then I'm like you know connecting with the other actor and you know living the imaginary life I think I don't think everyone's predisposed to enjoy that but I I was and I never knew that until I took an acting class and I think it's because you're using a completely different part of your yeah. brain really yeah. Yeah. because you're so like kind of you know obviously in economics you're so cerebral yeah. You're, yeah. you're kind of like you know thinking mathematically yeah and then all of a sudden when you do acting you have to feel everything right and it's I think that heart head connection is really difficult for people most people mm -hmm. um, to actually have to feel like physically think about feeling something and feeling something mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. expressing yourself without you know rationalizing it away but like we do I think again um, you know I, I ask myself this question a lot but like one thing is so you know i wanted to be a, a un diplomat or an economist again what was my motivation it's kind of to do things international like you know cross cultures mm -hmm. and one thing i noticed about acting is you can interact with a person and both you know you're both acting it's not real but you can make that connection across cultures every all the yeah. time and really Con, you know connect with another person on a human level not just on an academic level not just on a let's make the world better level, mm -hmm. but on a human level you can connect with someone totally different from your background in an imaginary situation and you know yeah because you're, you're using the language of, uh, being, a human of being. being human yeah. you know which is you know a lot of acting exercises that we do is basically without words right right so let's say we're auditioning for something and you know we have to a lot of lot of communication is yeah nonverbal uh, nonverbal communication. So how do you have a conversation without actually having a conversation? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we do it every day. You know, we 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 do this all the time with our expressions, exactly. with our feelings, with our thoughts. Even I mean, I can just give you a look, and you know what I'm saying. Or maybe his wife can give him a look, and, and he knows what she's saying. So um, yeah, she normally follows that up with some comments as well, just to <laughs> just to seal the deal. She's watching now, I think. So, hi, Jenny. <laughs> we need some questions. Can you write in? Do we, how do I see? Are there, oh, people are waving. Yeah, in. people are waving. No one's asking any questions, but that's okay. We covered a lot tonight. Yes, we did. Yeah, so. This was um, enormous, enormous uh, fun and quite cathartic for me. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yes. So, if you did have a superpower, let's mm. say, okay, let's say all of a sudden um, an angel came to you and said, Yo, you've been so good to us on this planet. Mm. Um, we are bestowing on you one superpower for mm. a week. Mm. For a week? Yeah, for, just for a week. Mm. Um, what would you, what would that power be and how would you use it? Oh gosh, I, I, I you see, that's why I'm a bad actor. I, 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 I don't imagine things. I don't daydream about these things. <laughs> would you apply one of your, um, uh, thesis, <laughs> economic thesis principles. I don't know what, what do you call it. Would you like do a? Uh, okay, let's make it more interesting. What if you can do it for a week, and if it doesn't work out, you can come back to, like it never happened. Oh 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 <laughs> oh. Uh, Did I just create a new TV show? <laughs> I, okay, here's a cool superpower. Um, I I let 
you know, I do a random reallocation of people um, to someone else. You're basically living the life of oh, someone like a house else. Swap? But it's a life swap. Life swap. Is that and a show? No. no. Okay. Well, it's but it'll have to mentally. It'll have to ment like you and I would mentally switch. Oh, okay. And I'd be you be just look like me, but then, you know. Okay. But oh, then yeah. you know, um, maybe not for everyone, but for a subset of people, and then get them to basically realize what life is like for other people. And okay, this is there's a lot of questions here, and I feel like it would end really badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because talking about like you know, the gap between rich and poor. I feel like, you know, nobody wants to be mm -hmm. a poor person experiencing a rich person's life and then have to go back to being poor. That just sucks. That sucks. That sucks. So, um, but I feel also, like it only works one way. Being a policeman versus being someone who's being harassed by the police. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good... That is a it, good It'll show. probably make the poor world more tolerant. Yes. Hopefully. But I don't know. I don't know. Unless you're an evil person and then you use your knowledge to undermine the, you know, the person. The group that, that you're, you're, yeah. That you experience. Yes, yes. What is your, have, has anyone asked you what your superpower would be? Uh, yeah, somebody did ask me and I think I responded with, let me think about this. Um, oh, power of manipulation. Okay. <laughs> don't you already <laughs> do that with your charms? I think um, I think you can do you know it's basically like being a politician right I yeah, mean you can yeah. sort of you, you're basically buying people to or not buying people but like convincing people persuading persuading people yeah to do things for you or to you know and I feel like if you can use that power for good that is a really good power so either manipulation or I think mind reading mind reading would be good mm -hmm. because Actually, I'm just going to say, if you can do mind reading, then you can manipulate. Mm -hmm. So, but only if you're good. This doesn't work if you're a bad person. I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm a really good person. Yes, we're all good people. Sometimes. <laughs> I, would, I would come on this journey with you. Oh. Of, you know, this mind swap. Right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we should write this. This would be a, this would be a great show. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um... I don't know. I mean, in terms of the economy, it is really bad. Yeah. It is going to be the most, you know, we had the financial crisis 10 years ago, but I think this is the biggest upheaval, much bigger upheaval of, of the economy um, than that even. So, you but know. But how did it all come together after the last uh, big economic meltdown? Like, so, what was, how did people... What happened after that? And do you think that's going to be the case this time around? Uh, so last time it started in the house, house, house price crashing. Mm -hmm. And then it was the financial crisis that followed on from that. So asset prices fell and then banks looked like they're going bankrupt. So the recovery happened by, you know, um, asset prices going back up and then the financial crisis the banks looking good and then even the house price recovered mm -hmm. so you know if it was just the house price it would have just affected people in construction but because of the financial crisis it affected the whole economy right but so they 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 fixed that problem they fixed the contagion and then also the house price the originator got fixed as well eventually this time it's different it's, it's a it's a health crisis a health crisis. Yeah. We have time it's to not. Talk a, about it's that. not yeah. an economic crisis. So you've got to fix the health problem. 
That's the source of it. Right. Um, and so far, we don't have a financial crisis following on from the health crisis, but the health crisis is a big one. So. And why is it why is it such a big health crisis? Because obviously in America we have, um, you know, all the technology. We're at the forefront of um, technology and healthcare. Yeah. Um, we have all the money. All the money is here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet we're still failing. And can you really blame the government? Do you really think that it is because the government was giving mixed messages or whatever, or do you think there's like a bigger? I I think now looking back, which is you know 2020 vision, 2020 vision. <laughs> 2020 vision. Yeah, we're still <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think those early weeks made a big difference in mm. the trajectory because some countries in those early weeks um, did something very different and they've got it much more under control and the economy isn't affected as much. Korea is a case in point. Other countries were very similar to the United States in those early weeks and then they like said, no, no, this is not going to work so we need to really lock down. So that's what the UK did, and now they're kind of good. Mm -hmm. um, and in the United States, there was a lot of mixed signals. And so people didn't have a lot of confidence in one way or the other. So the voices of people on either side, the people who didn't want to lock down versus the people who want to lock down, there's still b big populations in both sides. And that's the big problem, I think, in this country. Right. Yeah. Okay, so really quick. Three things that people can do in their lives right now to help them secure their future. Um, prepare them for what the economy is doing to us. If you're okay, so if Three you're things. if you're working, say you're a creative, even amongst creatives, you know, if you're working in live concerts, then um, you know, you've got to figure out what's the timeline in which there's going to be recovery in your in your pre-COVID uh, life. Mm -hmm. economic life so if it's gonna be one a, a section of the economy that's gonna take longer to recover I think you need to make adjustments or you know try to figure out how you can provide your service um, okay so online so for instance if you're a live concert person figure out how you can provide that service remotely in some way so you basically want to look at your career and think about how you can pivot into uh, Something COVID world into a new post-COVID world. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. But at the same time, hope for a vaccine that'll get us get us back to. Yeah, but that's not within our control. So that's not within our control. Hoping for a vaccine is yeah. not going to help anybody. So I so think gonna... yeah, assess you know what the horizon for recovery is in the particular task that you're in your you're, you're doing. Yeah. And how you can you know, wiggle yourself to make it more COVID, post-COVID friendly. Right. So if and you then, have a, if you've had a, um, I mean, I'm sure you've already thought about this, but for instance, if you've had a retail, physical retail store, you yeah. have to transition to being online. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, there's lots of, it's just going to, there's lots of the little things that you'll need to think about, but I think it's going to make a big difference. So pivoting in your career. Number one. Number two. Number two. Um, you know, in your in your non money making activities like you know how you stay healthy, how you stay, how you meet other people. Think about how you're going to do those things because uh, they were important in terms of your well being as a human being, uh, and also your health. Uh, how are you going to do those things safely in a post COVID world? So like you got to continue. And I'm trying to deal with this myself. How am I going to exercise now? 
because uh, I but can't post go to the COVID, gym. aren't we going to go back to pretty much normal? I think gyms might be closed for longer, right? Mm. You know, I try to play tennis, but you know now I'm you have an ten- elbow tennis cri- elbow <laughs> elbow cripple. So it's not funny, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of um, ironic. So you know, I'm looking into sailing, sailing now. <laughs> um, but I think that's a big part of it, and. My, my most important thing, and one I'm trying to deal with myself, is this is going to last now, I think, for years. So I'm trying to stop thinking of this as something that's temporary and I can just, you know, shut down and hibernate while it's going on. I'm trying to come out of hibernation and try to deal with this as something that's going to be around for a long time. So I'm not going to rest, you know, just go into rest mode. Thinking everyone else is doing so because because it's COVID lockdown, I, I want to get the most out of my life despite this thing that's happened during our lifetimes. Right. So, okay. So that's a change in attitude, I think. Yeah. So number two is think about ways you can maintain your health. Maintain your not so work activity is how you're gonna adjust that post COVID. Mm-hmm. Non work activity, and then like mentally, how you how are you gonna not treat this as something that's temporary and you can just hibernate. Treat it as something that's going to be around for a long time and mm-hmm. you've got to step up and live your life despite it. Exactly. Like we are doing. Yeah, like we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we had those. <laughs> Thanks, Young. Thank you, everybody, for joining us thank tonight. You. I hope you tune in next week. I will have a new guest. And thank you so much, Young. Oh, thank you, Michelle. We had a great time. I hope everybody learned something. I know I learned a lot. And um, enjoy your evening. Stay safe out there. And yeah, leave comments below. I would love to hear from you. Thanks. Bye. I was going to put some music on. um... Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Young Kim. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a good review and follow us on all of our social medias at Rockin' Cushions. And you can always go to our website, rockincushions.com, to find affordable slipcovers for all of your IKEA furniture. On the next episode, Michelle sits down with Ariana LeRae, an interior designer with a flair for mid-century modern design.